Smashing hits, make it hard to adapt to this. Put pizzazz and jazz in this. The cash in this. Master this. Hey, how you guys? This is from Brothers Comics. Welcome to our uh, last night in the association, our NBA recap podcast. On the line tonight, uh, it is my running mate. We're both in the backcourt. It's Will Stacks. Will, say what's happening. Will Stacks in the house. What's up? What's up? What's up? Hey, old school hip hop fans for sure. Is bringing us in on the sound. It's the R. Uh, if he's not the greatest rapper of all time, he's definitely in the top two. Uh, we'll talk about the R later, but yes, Rakim bring us in this week. Yeah, Rakim bringing us in 1997. Guess who's back? Yes, we'll definitely talk about guess who came back for sure last night. Yeah, no doubt about it. So as we get into uh, the podcast, uh, we'll break it up into the first half and the second half, starting out of the Eastern Conference playoffs and then heading into the Western Conference playoffs into the second half. Uh, so last night, uh, the Cavs, they, they made it through Game 7 with the Pacers behind LeBron's 45 points and Tristan Thompson breaking the Kardashian curse. Cavs get all they need from the, uh, from the Pacers. And then they move into Game 1 and 103-102 overtime win with big games from LeBron. And Tristan Thompson breaks the Kardashian curse once again. Uh, I, you can't trust the Raptors. Well, let's go back to the Pacers uh, closeout first. Uh, you know, I got to give, I mean, definitely LeBron, you know, the king put the team on his back and he said we're going to do it. However, as you mentioned, the Kardashian curse, you know, that started off the series in full effect maybe, uh, like you said, maybe was officially put to bed. Uh, with Tristan Thompson, but let's give a little bit of credit to uh, Coach Ty Luke for uh, inserting Tristan Thompson in the lineup uh, where he was DMP after DMP for most of the game. Uh, putting him in the lineup definitely gave a, a boost uh, to the Cavs and just what uh, the team needed, and LeBron took care of the rest. Uh, good job by the Pacers, but just not enough uh, to dethrone the Kings. Uh, but then for game one for uh, Toronto, uh, again, the King did his thing and it was looking for some help, and he got it from Tristan Thompson. And there was a J.R. Smith sighting. Uh, he had been dormant, it seems, through the playoffs, at least in the first round. But J.R. Smith uh, was the first Cavalier to score 20 points and name not be LeBron in the playoffs so far. So J.R. Smith. Uh, came back to life and gave the Cavs just what they needed. But once again, down the stretch, the Raptors uh, folded, folded. They were up late, up four late, uh, and then uh, just collapsed, it seems. Uh, the disappearance of uh, Kyle Lowry continues when it's uh, crunch time. Yeah, they blow the lead. They blow home court. LeBron is completely in their head. Uh, this could be very, very dangerous if they go down 0-2. Well, I tell you, they, they're looking in a, a tough situation. you you got to expect the Raptors uh, have to bounce back. Surely they will be inspired to do so. They definitely don't want to go back to Cleveland down 0-2. But, um, you know, DeMar DeRozan down the stretch, you know, Started to try to go one on one and end up being one on two or three as the Cavs came to double or even triple team him, forcing him to get rid of the ball. And at the end of the game, who took the last shot? 
Van Fleet. At the end of overtime, who took the last shot? Van Fleet uh, with a series of of tips and regulation that uh, were reminiscent of the Knicks back in the Chicago Bulls days where they couldn't make the layups down the stretch. But, um, you know, if Fred Van Fleet is uh, your shooter down the stretch and not – he got a good look. Got to give him credit for taking the shot. But where's Lowry? You know, I go back to the 2016 – a uh, series where he left the bench to quote-unquote clear his head, he hasn't been the same since. And uh, any clutch moment, he seems to fold up, pack it in, disappear. He's on the court, but he might as well not be. Toronto is in trouble. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, the Raptors were feeling pretty good about themselves for closing out the Wiz in six. Uh, went into Washington to win that game, you know, they're feeling pretty good about themselves. And most people were thinking, at least the pundits, hey, like this is a series that the Raptors have to win. Uh, if they don't beat this Cleveland Cavaliers team, it's time for major and wholesale changes. Uh, they're up big early in the game and then up late as well. And then they just wind up getting butthole tight at the end and then losing in overtime. Um, this is the Raptors team that we've been afraid of. We've been saying it all year. You can't trust them, and and you know their their theme song with Public Enemy, uh, and they definitely showed it right there. If any game they should have won would have been Game One, with LeBron even stating how tired he was, and you could you could definitely see it. And but LeBron, you know, definitely like got the help he was hoping for, and then when the game was close down the stretch, you know, he said, "Okay, we got this. I'll take the last couple shots." and did exactly that, you know, putting the game in overtime and then got some help uh, from Kyle Corver and J.R. Smith in the extra period. Uh, I want to ask Coach Casey, I would love to ask Toronto Coach, LeBron has the ball on the post and you don't double team to force the ball out of his hands. I do not understand how they go one-on-one with the king and he makes them pay. Yeah, it's. Uh, there were some questionable decisions all the way down the stretch there for the Raptors. Uh, yeah, I just I just don't trust them. I definitely feel like there's a LeBron-sized nugget weighing on all of their shoulders every time that he shows up. And um, it'll be interesting to see how they come out for game two because they, they came out pretty desperate in game one and had the game really in hand early and, and late and just absolutely choked it away. So uh, let's see if that the, that choke continues into game two. You know, LeBron will come out in, uh, in closeout mode to try to get that back to Cleveland too well. Yeah, there's absolutely no question. Watch out for LeBron, arrest of LeBron coming into game two. Uh, he's going to try to do big things and look for his team to follow. Toronto better be ready. Uh, just like the Sixers, they weren't ready to go into Boston either. Uh, right, no doubt about it. All right, let's go uh, the other side note in the the interesting note about the <laughs> Cavaliers game and the Raptors. Uh, there was in between halftime and in before uh, at the end of the game, there were words exchanged between uh, Toronto Ambassador, Raptors Ambassador, rapper Drake and NBA tough guy. He's on the team, but he's in a suit. He's not really playing until they really need him, uh, Kendrick Perkins. Um, and they had to be separated at halftime as well as at the end of the game where they really had to be separated. What in the wide, wide world of sports is Drake thinking trying to tackle Kendrick Perkins, man? 
Of all people for the Cavaliers that you want to say something to, Kendrick Perkins is not the one, you know. Allegedly, there was a, a joke made maybe about his suit, and uh, then it kind of went from there. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely not the one to pick on. The, the Cavs didn't sign him for his ability on the court. I'm sure he's more of a practice player, probably playing the role of Joel Embiid if they were to meet the Sixers later on. Uh, so he's there as a practice player, if anything else. But if anything else, he may not be able to play like he did once years ago, but uh, he's definitely not the one to mess with. Uh, I still don't want to uh, go toe-to-toe with him for sure. And, heck, n- neither do Drake's bodyguards either. He's about the same size they are. So uh, Drake better watch who he runs his mouth to. He better pick on uh, Jose Calderon or somebody like that. Yeah, I was wondering why they decided to even go. I mean, I don't know what Drake is thinking, man. Drake is not that dude. Everybody knows Drake is also not that dude. And him going that route uh, is going to wind up him getting folded on the Toronto Raptors uh, floor if he winds up picking on Perk. So, yeah, just just not a good lose for Drake. And it's also going to look like we're going to have um, – to talk about fighting here in the Western Conference when we get to the second half as well. So, um, no doubt. yeah, just a little bit of uh, a lot of people beefing off here as playoffs getting started or getting underway. Uh, let's go out to the other Eastern Conference semifinal, the Celtics and the 76ers. Sixers making it to the semifinals with a fairly easy 4 uh, 1 series win over the Heat, uh, who only offered. Um, Decent resistance, but really got rolled in the games that they did wind up win, uh, losing. Uh, the Celtics need to go seven to defeat the Young, uh, the Bucks. Uh, so we get into game one. Celtics win fairly easily, uh, 117-101 over uh, the Sixers. Terry Rozier gets 29. They do that without Jalen Brown as well, who's out with the a hamstring injury. 31 from Embiid, but the Sixers go down hard in game one. Well, I tell you, you know, the, if you want to look at it, the top three Celtics didn't play in the game. You know, if you can count Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, and then, as you mentioned, Jayla Brown out with the injury. And still, the Celtics absolutely dominated the game pretty much from start to finish. You know, a late run, a little bit by the Sixers, but it was answered uh, by Boston. And you got to give it up to Terry Rozier, who is, you know, elevating his game you know, to play the quote-unquote Kyrie role, and he is doing his part, uh, you know, scoring, assisting, playing tough D all around. Uh, Terry Rozier is uh, probably adding some zeros to his bank account because uh, I'm sure if he doesn't stay in Boston, some other teams will want him in the future. But right now, he's doing what he should be doing uh, for uh, the Boston Celtics. And, of course, uh, he's getting help from the other young gun, Jason Tatum, playing absolutely big boy basketball he's a rookie but you can't call him a rookie uh, anymore this time of the year because he's playing some outstanding ball and hey we get on Al Horford a little bit for being overpaid and you know maybe not being uh, uh, the the player people think he is but uh, hey he must be fooling us right now because he's playing some outstanding ball as well so uh, the Celtics, you know, playing their tough D as usual, give up all the twos, no threes, and the Sixers couldn't put it in the ocean at all from three in game one. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of curious as to 
what kind of Sixers team was going to come out because they were getting so much press and so much, um, you know, people on the Zach really for, you know, kind of running through the heat. And it kind of looked like they went into that game a little bit overconfident thinking that the Celtics were going to, I wouldn't say roll over, but we're going to respect them at the way that they did. And they didn't expect that defense to lock them down the way that they did. None like the Miami Heat did. Well, hey, Boston is, is known as a, a defensive team. You know, they, they keep teams around the 100-point figure in, just, in most games. Uh, so they were going to come out and play some solid D. Uh, but, you know, the Sixers still had advantages on the floor. You know, Simmons is a, a an advantage anywhere on the floor, uh, but they just could not take quite advantage. And B played well, but it just wasn't enough. When you're not hitting your threes, that doesn't open things up. And uh, the Sixers must shoot better if they want to do anything um, in Boston because game two, uh, they don't want to go down 2-0 either going back to Philly. Yeah, and game two, Tuesday night, you get the weird playoff schedule where they played on Monday, and then you don't get a game until Thursday. Or, and I can't remember, did they play Sunday? I mean, it's the weird playoff schedule. You know, the Cavs and them go the other uh, last night. They get today off, and then they're playing again Thursday. These guys have been off for almost three or four days at this. I can't stand that playoff schedule. So tomorrow night, Jalen Brown still listed as doubtful for the game. Uh, should probably get a better offensive performance probably from a couple of the other Sixers stars who you got for game two. You know, I, I would like to say Philly uh, is going to bounce back. You know, you don't think they're going to shoot five for 26 again from three. So you expect expect a few more of those to go in however boston is you know they were one of the top teams in defending the three so they're going to make uh shooting the three tough so uh i'm gonna say philadelphia will even the series in game two but i can't count out a a a brad stevens coach team because he definitely knows how to get the most out of players, if you got Shane Larkin playing big minutes and contributing well, yeah. <laughs> Brad Stevens is, is pushing all the right buttons for Boston. Yeah, and we, we've said this since Kyrie went out. It's like, man, I'm not sure if they're going to be able to get, you know, the scoring that they're going to need, and then they still get the 117 without Jalen Brown, too. I mean, it's just like, hmm, all right, let's if you can get that kind of contribution from Terry Rozier, even if it's not 29, even if he's into the early 20s, uh, yeah, they're going to be a tough out for anybody, including the college, if they get that far. Yeah, hey, they'll be in most games they play, you know. So give it up to Boston. Um, we'll see what happens in game two. I'm sure Philly is ready to bounce back. All right. Well, we don't usually we'll have the halftime sounder for our playoff games. I didn't throw it in at the beginning. Uh, did you see Avengers Infinity War? Avengers Infinity War is yet to uh, come across my viewing eyes. However, it will, it will definitely uh, will cross them very soon. So save all the spoilers, even though I've already seen a few on social media. Yes, yeah, uh, I'll uh, definitely check it out in the very near future. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, I've seen it uh, three times, I guess. Yes. Uh, fellow podcast contributor, uh, Sandman, that you know very well, has also seen it three times. Uh, So, yeah, it's it's very, very good. No doubt about it. All right. Let's head out to the Western Conference. Um, 
the Warriors run the Pelicans off the floor in game one, and that's my final 123 to 101 without Steph Curry, uh, behind big games behind Clay Thompson and, uh, KD. Um, um, Steph back last night, and he comes off the bench with about four minutes to, or four minutes to go, uh, four minutes into the first quarter, and he winds up scoring 28 points in 27 minutes. So, uh, Steph didn't miss a beat. Uh, the Pelicans play a little bit better and get a you know lose kind of a close one at the end to go down too loud to the um, to the Warriors. Um, is there any shot because that looked like the Pelicans' best shot last night and they couldn't get it done? Well, I tell you, I know it's too late for uh, the six man of the year votes, but uh, if anybody <laughs> should have got them based on one game, definitely was Steph Curry in Game Two because for uh, ten, twelve seconds into him being on the court. Uh, for the first time in uh, five and a half weeks, as soon as he touches it, bottoms, you know. So, it, like, he never misses a beat. And uh, if he's clicking on all cylinders, joining Durant and Thompson, you know, you got to look out for the the champions. And, you know, for the Pelicans, hey, they've already overachieved. Uh, you know, they'll definitely give their, their best probably in the first game going back home to New Orleans. So, you know, if they get anything, it will be game three. But uh, I think, hey, I'm going to give it to the Pelicans in game three. But I think uh, the Dubs will close them out in five. But, uh, hey, they they did kind of give their best shot, and it just wasn't enough. Still got to get more from Miritich. Played so great against Portland. Uh, not doing so much a tough matchup for him all over the court. Tough for him to play against KD. Tough for him to play against Iguodala. Tough for him to play against Levingston. So whoever he matches up with, he's going to have some trouble with. And uh, you can see he's having some difficulty in this series. Yeah, Pelican starters really, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't have thought it was fatigue since they came through as the first team in the round two. Uh, but Holiday goes 4-14 in game one. Miritich 3-9. of nine. I mean, and then AD gets 21, but, you know, they've gone with this kind of small ball lineup to counteract him uh, with Draymond drawing the primary defensive options on, uh, you know, on Anthony Davis. And, you know, he's still getting his points, but it's working out that the other ones aren't picking up the slack. Yeah, uh, Draymond Green playing this tough ball against Anthony Davis, making it difficult. And, uh, you know, Davis is still doing his part, but, hey, Drew, uh, yeah, Drew Holiday not doing uh, what he did in the first series. Again, I expect him to play better uh, when he gets home, but I, I don't think the Pelicans have enough uh, against a, a loaded Warrior team. So even at their absolute peak uh, performance, I still don't think it's enough, you know, to definitely win four games, let alone two games against the Warriors. I think they'll close it out in five. Um, game three, Pelicans' best shot. Yeah, yeah, it's just um, yeah. <laughs> I watched the highlights of Steph, and I was just like, well, <sighs> he's well rested. Uh, he's got you know essentially six weeks off. Uh, so yeah, uh, look out for a game. You know what though, the Warriors for to me will probably be they're more dangerous to lose game four than they are to lose game three because they'll be all fired up like they were for that Spurs game for game three. It's that fourth game where it's just like, eh, you know, if we lose, we're going to go out and close it out at home. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely a great point. Um, you know, they would probably have that mentality as well to be ready to close it out at home. 
But either way, if they do split in New Orleans, you know, they'll be right at home uh, to close it out for game five. So I definitely agree with that mentality. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be – I'm pretty sure they're looking ahead. You tell them never look ahead, but they're already looking ahead uh, with a possible matchup with the Rockets. Yeah, no doubt about it. And let's we got we said we had beef in the Western Conference too. Uh for whatever reason, uh, you know, kinda of during the little mix up last night between Draymond Green and uh Ray John Rondo, you know, they're kinda of just having beef back and forth, just kind of basketball on the court beef or whatever, and then when they cut it back to the studio with Shaq Kenny and Chuck uh, you know, Chuck's like, uh, oh, you know, somebody should just smack him, you know, somebody should just smack or punch him in the face, uh, to talking about Draymond Green. And, you know, he's repeated it a couple of times and basically he was just like, okay, you know, yeah, he's, I, I need to, somebody needs to punch him in the face. I want to punch him in the face. It's Chuck's words. And then at the post game news conference, word got back to Draymond Green and his response was essentially, yeah, he's seen me a million times before. If he feel that strongly about it, let him come punch me in the face. You know, you're old, whatever. You're just talking behind the microphone. All right, so who you got, Draymond or Chuck? <laughs> uh, give me Barkley 20 years ago. I'd take Barkley all day, every day. <laughs> Uh, but uh, maybe 25, well, yeah, about 25 years ago for sure. I'd take yeah. Barkley all day. However, uh, at this current state, uh, you know, you would go with the young buck. However, I understand what Barkley's talking about. If somebody needs to, you know, take care of Draymond Green because he is, you know, he, he's in everybody's face. He's always yapping. He's always complaining. He's always this. And, again, you know, it's a different style of ball these days. That wouldn't have happened back in the day, you know. And I think that's where Barkley was kind of coming from, that, you know, that kind of stuff would not have been tolerated in the 80s, or definitely not in the 90s uh, for sure. So there would have been uh, definitely some retribution paid uh, by Draymond Green, but nobody's going to do that in this uh, you know, new millennium style of basketball. So I think that's what Barkley was getting at. But he might have went too far when he said, I'll punch him in the face. Yeah. You know, and that's, <laughs> that's probably where he went too far. You know, I understand when he said somebody needs to, but then he said, I'll do it. And that's probably where he went a little bit too far. But I, I understand what he meant. Yeah. And, you know, and it sets up this situation now, too, where, you know, he says it, the other one bucks. And so now he is going to have to see, you know, when they're going to have these, you know, these games or whatever that they're going to be out there, you know, is going to set up this thing, you know, am I a punk or do I have to say something to him? Does somebody have to apologize? Chuck is not the apologizing type, so yeah, it'll be I was going to say, there won't be an apology there. I'm pretty, pretty <laughs> positive of that. However, um, you know, they will, I'm sure, you know, cross paths and there will be some comments. And there will be some quote unquote peace. Okay. Hello? Nah. I dropped off. Okay. Just go ahead and, you know, kind of make your point about there be no apology. I'll, I'll edit it back. Yeah, I don't think Barkley is the apologizing type. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely anxious to see when they do cross paths what's going to happen. There'll be something for the news. It'll make the news. 
But uh, then it'll be old news and uh, probably not too long. But it'll be interesting, though. Yeah, it gives good talk for sports talk fodder, you know, to take up the space in between games and get asked about it in press conferences or whatever. But in the long run, it's, you know, it's also not a good look for the league. I'm sure somebody will get a call from uh, the commission as well to stop talking about stuff like that. But, um, again, that show really is about, you know, the TNT crew is really about, you know, kind of stuff that comes off the cuff, you know. So I, I don't, today's NBA players are so sensitive about their names and their brands. Like, just, I mean, it's an off-the-cuff remark. I don't really think that he wants to punch him. Maybe, maybe not, but it's not like something's really going to happen. Yeah, definitely not. And, um, you know, and then those guys, they played in a different era as well. So, yeah. and like I said, it's, you know, I understand what Barkley meant. If it was a different time. Somebody would have took care of Draymond. It would have been an issue, but um, in today's game, it doesn't happen. So I'm sure it'll it'll move on. It'll move on. Yeah. It'll be news a couple of days and move on. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the last uh, semifinal. It's the Utah and the Rockets. Um, Rockets went easily over the Timberwolves after they struggled in the first two games uh, or the first three games, really trying to find their swagger, and then they found it. Uh, that game three, we'll get a 50-point for a third quarter from the Rockets, and they just wind up cruising on through the rest of the series uh, behind James Harden, who's absolutely in video game mode for the last couple of games. They get into um, game two, uh, rolls out tonight, or excuse me, game one against, uh, against Utah, uh, a fairly easy win as well. The Rockets uh, go 110-196. The Jazz, you would have thought, actually would have been kind of, you know, not overly tired for that game, but they definitely looked tired when they got into Houston. Uh, Jazz defeated the Thunder 4-2. The Thunder implode in game six, and we're going to talk about them here in a second. Uh, so we get game two tonight with the Jazz and the Rockets. Ricky Rubio out uh, with the left hamstring as well, same as Jalen Brown. Uh, do the Jazz have any shot if the Houstons play in this way? Well, the Rockets uh, definitely have taken off for sure. Um, you know, the Jazz, uh, they're they are up right now in game two as we speak at the half. However, you know, without Ricky Rubio, it's going to take a Herculean effort from Donovan Mitchell uh, to do his part. You know, this is just not a good matchup for the Jazz. You know, one of their top players, the big Frenchman, Rudy Gobert, uh, really doesn't have a role in this series, you know, because yeah. Houston spreads you out, spreads you out, shoots the three. So who is he guarding on the low post? Capella is not a person, not a player that's going to get touches, you know, on the low box. You know, all his uh, points or anything is, you know, mop-up, rebound, put-back, or lob or something like that. So Gobert is just kind of out there, and that takes, you know, really five on four. You know, his shot blocking is null and void pretty much in this series. So uh, it's going to be real tough for the Jazz. You know, Donovan Mitchell uh, has to, you know, carry the team on his back. I'm sure Coach Quinn Snyder will make some adjustments, but I don't see the Rockets slowing down very much. You know, if the Jazz get a game, they might get one. I don't think it will be too much uh, more than that. But, you know, they, you know, might be looking ahead as well. They better not do that and look ahead like the Warriors might be. Uh, They better take care of business and then be ready to play the Warriors if that were to happen. But uh, I don't see the Rockets taking uh, too many lumps from the Jazz. Um, You know, I see this one ending in five as well. Okay. Yeah, I mean, 
as a part of the Jazz moving it into the conference semi, that said they defeated the Thunder. Uh, the Thunder just absolutely just fall apart in Game Six. Uh, I mean, after you know again a rough Herculean effort to get it to a Game Six, um, he tried that again in the second game. He winds up getting forty three points on forty three shots. So um, <laughs> it's just amazing. Melo only has seven. PG thirteen has five, and a, you know, and a, essentially a closeout game for them. The stars don't show up. Lots of sour grapes after the game. Uh, Mello already in his exit interviews talking about, you know, I ain't coming back. I'm, I'm not coming off the bench. You can forget that, you know, kind of already flexing his ability to get out of there because even though he's under contract, they might not necessarily want him at that number. I think he's guaranteed $28 million next year. Uh, so many questions. First off, who would want Mello to start at $28, or $28 million a season? And then we can get into Russ and PG-13. Uh, somebody uh, has to give Carmelo a reality check. The only places he can go to to be a, a main contributor is a team that is struggling right now. Maybe uh, Sacramento. And, or, uh, yeah, Sacramento or, or something like that where the team is already struggling and won't do much with it. You know, maybe down in Memphis or something like that. But other than that, nobody uh, that has a chance to play deep into the playoffs is, is, wants a Carmelo Anthony at this stage in his career. And he needs to look himself in the mirror and really realize that. You know, I think Dwayne Wade did. And I think Carmelo uh, Anthony needs to do the same. But, uh, you know, that playoff P, quote unquote, that we heard after game <laughs> one. Uh, disappeared quickly because playoff P didn't do anything. And I think Russell Westbrook said, well, doggone it, I might take every shot the rest of the game. And he almost did. But, um, you know, he did what he could. But in a lot of ways, I don't blame him because when he did uh, give it up, he definitely wasn't getting any help. (laughs) Yeah. I sent you a text after that loss of that game, and I was like, we might need to have the same conversation that we had about Melo, about being that dude. And that dude for us is like, you know, it's that dude who's a great player, but you can't win with him. You might be able to win games, but you just can't. He's not going to get you to where you need to go. Now, it's kind of hard to determine if Russ is really that dude because, you know, he's been to one, I think, two conference finals and then to one NBA Finals, but he was also with KD when that happened. So is it time to have that conversation on if Russ is that dude? He's great, but he can't win with him. Uh, he's, he's right on the cusp of that conversation. That You know, the, with Kevin Durant, the year they, they lost to the Warriors before KD went to join the Warriors, uh, that was their best shot, you know, and, and Kevin Durant didn't come through um, you know, in that case, you know, uh, Russ had him in position, if you want to say he put him there, and uh, Kevin Durant didn't close it out. So you could say uh, that was their best shot. He has to be surrounded by the right pieces, you know, just like LeBron tries to fit the right pieces around him. You have to have the right pieces uh, around, um, you know, Russell Westbrook and, you know, PG-13 and uh, Carmelo may not be those pieces. I think Paul George could still work out uh, if he comes to play every day. But uh, Carmelo, 
He just ain't got it anymore. I hate to use the ain't, but he ain't got it. <laughs> he, he, ain't, he ain't got it anymore, and he really needs to realize that. And, uh, you know, his his role has to diminish if he's still going to continue to play. Um, so somebody needs to get in his ear and, and let him know that uh, yeah. Carmelo Anthony's days are dwindling. Yeah, you would think that about 25 to 30 minutes a game as a – off the bench, heat check guy. You know, like oh, if he's got his shot tonight, he's going to wind up getting you eighteen to twenty-five in limited minutes. But him being on the floor, I mean, we've always known the defense has been uh, so suspect at best. So to have him on the floor for you know thirty-eight minutes a game anymore, I mean, it's it's he's a liability on both ends of the floor now. So. Yeah, and then PG-13, whether it's with Oklahoma City or whether the Lakers or whatever, somebody's going to max him out on a contract. And I'm like, mm, that might not be a great idea either. Although if he winds up in L.A. with LeBron, then he winds up being second, third banana, which might be the best role for him. Well, yeah, I don't. I just don't see, you know, PG-13, uh, you know, being a third fiddle. You know, as you the, the scenario just mentioned, he's not a number three guy, at least definitely not in his head. He's not a number three guy, nor will he settle for that either. You know, if he gets the max money, yeah, he might go ahead and take it. And uh, the chance to play with LeBron, possibly, but still deep down, he's not going to want to be the number three guy. So, you know, if he does go to L.A., you know, even though – he might be the bigger name. The, the the franchise is still being built around Anzo Ball, you know, whether you want to say right. it or not. So he is the, the center point, and, and whoever does go to uh, the Lakers, LeBron, PG, Kawhi in a trade, whoever, does have to realize, hey, we're building around, you know, Lonzo Ball. So, um, you know, even though that would be a nice look, I don't know if it's a great look for PG-13. He might want to rethink staying with Russ and uh, re-signing there if I were him. Yeah, it's just it's going it's going to be weird, uh, kind of how that ended. I, I mean, I, I mean they were the can't trust it team for me in the West, so it wasn't surprising that they got rolled out like that. It was surprising how it happened, especially in a closeout game that you got that many experienced people that just shit the bed. Really, to be honest with you. So, all right. As we get into towards the wrap-up here, we're bringing our our segment back about the best player for a franchise. And we teased it on the last podcast about the uh, 76ers. And um, we're at that point now. So we kind of been talking about this for a while now. Like the Sixers talk is probably one of the best ones that we've done because uh, it's a one, it's a classic franchise. It has classic names attached to said franchise. Uh, it's also one that's only won one NBA ch- or modern NBA championship as that back in what eighty four with the four five four people. So eighty three. Eighty three. Uh so you're gonna have that debate in terms of, you know, well, if they were so good, why didn't they win championships? So we narrowed it down to three players. Uh it has to either be Doc, Dr. J. Julius Irvin, Allen Iverson, or Charles Barkley. Uh, you have a bias for Charles Barkley, but you're also a Sixers fan, too, from our youth. So uh, yeah. you might want to take the lead on this, and I'll go from there. 
Well, yeah, definitely, you know, Barkley was my guy, has always been my guy. You know, the undersized power forward and the things he could do at his size were absolutely amazing. Absolutely love watching Barkley play. So Barkley is immediately comes to mind. However, when you talk about, as you mentioned, the modern 76ers, and I don't want to hear the Will Chamberlain play for Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. Billy Cunningham back in the day, Hal Greer, those types of names. Very true, but we're talking about the modern 76ers. So we're going to say, as you mentioned, three names. So Barkley is my guy, but it can't be him because he's just not the guy, although he was a very big focal point for the 76ers for several years. Then it kind of goes generational from there. You know, a couple of people even threw in a Moses Malone, and he probably might be the most important 76er for the modern era because when he came to Philly, he was the one that got him over the hump to win that championship uh, that you mentioned. Uh, without him, they just couldn't beat the Lakers. They had trouble with the Sixers, or the Celtics, excuse me. So, uh, you know, so Moses, but he didn't play it long enough in Philly, only two and a half years with Philadelphia, so it can't be him. But generationally, the young guys would definitely say Allen Iverson because he was the man with the cornrows and changed everything with the sleeve and the, the shoes and the step over Ty Lue and the finals and this. You know, he was the man. He changed the, the, uh, the, the, the basketball, you know, landscape, the, the small guard that would play so hard that he was just, uh, you know, a force like no other. However, if you go back a few years, people probably of our age uh, that have that saw the doctor, Julius Irving, you know, has to say the best player in 76er franchise is out of Massachusetts at forward, six foot six, Julius, I can't even do it anymore, but Julius Irving <laughs> is uh, the man uh, as the number one player in Sixer history. I mean, but Allen Iverson is the number two scorer in 76 history, 76 history, and Julius Irving is number four. But when you think about Sixers, you think about the doctor, Julius Irving. Yeah. I, I'm going to agree with you on this as well. Um I'm going to go back to uh, – because I, I texted you about Moses, too. I was like, you know, he's the reason that they have that championship. But, yeah, he wasn't there long enough. Barkley may have been a better player in Phoenix than he was for the 76ers, especially his last couple of years in the Sixers where he was just trying to get out of that. You know, he winds up winning his MVP in Phoenix uh, and taking them to the finals as well. So, I mean – he, you know, he could be in between the two of those, I guess, whenever we get to the Phoenix Suns. Um, AI is AI. I mean, you know, everything that you say is true about him. He takes a team of really know-nothings to the finals as well and actually wins a game against the three-peat Lakers as well. Um, so, you know, in the Ty Lue step-over game. So, I mean, I can see why anybody would pick AI as well, but it, is, it has to be Dr. J. Like, I, I mean, there is no more better named Sixer than Dr. J. And the funny thing is, if you listen to older basketball heads than us, many will tell you that the Dr. J that was with the Sixers is not even close to the player he was in the ABA. <laughs> with the Nets. Yeah. Like, he was a much better player. 
you know. Right. We got it. Yeah. We got a watered down version of Dr. J when he got to the sixties. So yeah, that's so true. And um, yeah, but yeah, Dr. J is the man in Philly. And I bet if you uh, asked Allen Iverson, you know, he would tell you that it is all about Dr. J. Um, shouts out to uh, several people who chimed in. Shouts out to Eric Walker. Shouts out to Bob Peterson, Carl Sagas, or Todd Lark for giving their opinions on who the best sixer is. But we know the man is the doctor, Julius Irving. That's right. All right. Okay, so that starts to wrap us up. As we start to head into our playback music of the week of the show, it's the R, it's the R, it's the R, it's Rakim. Why did you pick the R? Well, no doubt, 1997, Rakim, guess who's back, you know, dedicated to Steph Curry. Uh, you know, this is Rakim without Eric B., but Steph Curry uh, came back, and, you know, he definitely let everybody know that he is back and he needs to be dealt with 28 points in 25 minutes. So guess who's back? The R, Rakim, playing us out. Uh, I think definitely Steph Curry let everybody know that he is indeed back. So as we get into these uh, conference semifinals, uh, again, we're at 2-0 and 1 and possibly 2-0 and another one here in about uh, an hour and a half. Um, we'll just kind of play this out as, you know, as the schedule goes. Uh, we've got a little bit in between there just for some, you know, personal stuff or whatever. They got the days pushed back. So, yeah, but we'll be right back on top of it. Uh, remember, you can find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn app, uh, Lisbon, all other of your uh, podcasting apps, just search Brothers Comics and be able to find the show. Um, again, it's last night in the association as we are deep into these playoffs. Uh, hey, Will Stacks, tell them where they can find you. Find me, Will Stacks. That's at Will Stacks on Instagram, at Will Stacks, or at Mr. Waters 77 on Twitter. Let me know what you think of the show, any topics you want to talk about as we get deeper into the playoffs. And any teams you want to discuss uh, who was the best player in their franchise. I think we need to talk about the Wizards slash Bullets, but especially, let's say, the Wizards may be coming up. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, that'll be interesting, too, especially when you get into the modern Wiz. Mm, that'll be interesting. Okay. Yeah, so, hey, you'll be able to find me, uh, the producer at Brothers Comics. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Brothers Comics, on Facebook at Brothers Comics, on Instagram at Brothers Comics. Uh, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, share with all your friends, and all of that. Uh, as we say every week, we appreciate all the listens and the shares and all that. We definitely get uh, nice little notes back here and there through the Facebook page and even on the on the uh, iTunes page as people leave us, you know, five-star reviews, five-star, five-star, that's what we want, five-star reviews. So, all right, man. So as the R starts to play us out, uh, thank you, man. We're almost going to get this one day we're going to get a podcast at 48 minutes. We're a little over 45 right now, but one day I'm going to time this out just like an NBA game, man. We're going to be right at the final buzzer, 48 minutes. Yeah, we're going to get 48 minutes on the dot at the buzzer, but until then, back is out. Hey, we'll see you people on the other side. Peace. With something potent to go in and take a token. Metal planes start floating. High signs are spoken. Altitudes cause choking. Product is hypnotic. It's soaking. It's still soaking. Showing better scenes and grams of amphetamine. Plants, schemes, means I forever.
never been. Long as the mic is loud and the volume's pumping, I'ma move crowds of 2,000. So I control the crowd. You know why I hold it down when it drops. You know it's deep when you hear the sound. From town to town until it's world renowned. And I rock New York City all year Yo, round. My vibes and lyrics find spirits like a seance. It's fat crayons. My writings display chaos. My plan is damaged. The diagram the way to damage. I take advantage until the crowd go bananas. What a rush. I hit cuts and I lust to touch. Microphones be clutched by the illustrious. Word spread I inherited. Many ways to say the unsaid. Born with three sevens in my head. In time, the one can seem to blow your mind as far as this. To find you need philosophers and anthropologists. Astrologists, professors from your smartest colleges. With knowledge and scholarships. Where I be dropping it. Some of the things that I know. Over here, your next Bible. When I die, go bury me in my notebook and cower. With the great God from Egypt manifest. Was right, rhymes blind with the stars. I'll come back to bless the mic. I control the crowd. You know why I hold it down. When it drops, you know it's jiggy when you hear the sound. From town to town, until it's world renowned. And I rock New York City all year round. I control the crowd. You know why I hold it down. When it drops, you know it's jiggy when you hear the sound. From town to town, until it's world renowned. And I rock New York City all year round. Come along, the microphone fiend is back. You know what I mean? The death do a part. It's on. Fuck him, my lord. Fuck the game back.